Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome to the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Sunbury Motors Company, Sunbury Motors and Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Ford in Sunbury, SunburyMotors.com, Sunbury Motors Kia in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, so, Mike DeCourcy will join us at 1:35 today. Talk a little Big Ten college and overall college basketball. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Iowa women, I, the Iowa women's basketball play-by-play uh, joins us to talk a little Caitlin Clark. Uh, I guess the big thing I, in our local sports is uh, district basketball and, and district wrestling has kicked off. Uh, last night, Shikalimi girls beat Hollidaysburg behind a career high from Luli Fatul and uh, what turns out to be Lou Delagradi's final home game as the Shikalimi girls coach. They will take on Holidaysburg at 5 p.m. Saturday out at Mount Aloysius College right outside of Altoona for the District 6 championship. Uh, on the boys' side, the Shikalimi boys head out to Holidaysburg for their 5A semifinal tonight. I do believe Kevin and the Chief are going out for that one. Uh, that one tips yeah. at uh, 7, I believe, so they'll yeah. be on air at 6.45. Yeah, Chief's the navigator. Uh, well, thank heavens for I-99. Chief's the navigator. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to be. <laughs> because mm. at 8, yeah. <sighs> I'll never forget a guy I knew, uh, went to college with, and he wanted to go to Hartford. And and I was in Hartford at the time. And he <laughs> finally gets there. He's late. I said, I said, how was the trip? He goes, God, it was long. It took eight hours. I said, eight hours? I said, from Scranton? He says, you got to be kidding me. I said, it should have taken you, you know, like four and a half. Right? He goes, I said, I said, how'd you go? He said, well, I took 81 all the way up to the New York Thruway, and then I came down the New York Thruway to the Mass Pike. And I, I said, Sam, why'd you go that way? I said, all you had to do was go up 81, get on 84, and it goes right into Hartford. <laughs> he goes, he says, "All right, I missed the exit." <laughs> he said, "You could." I said, "You can turn around, you know." <laughs> uh, oof, that is that is a circular route. <laughs> I hope the bus oh. to Worcester for uh, Bucknell doesn't go that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I hope so too. <laughs> John thought it was a long trip before that. You're right, exactly. Yeah, the um <laughs> I was like, oh really? I that just like that just screams suit. <laughs> um He knows how to get to Jersey Shore. Because that's where the people are waiting for him to turn him around and send him back. <laughs> They're not big fans of his. <laughs> All the disparaging things he said over the years. Meanwhile, Dave's up like, hey, everything's good, everything's good. And Mike DeCourcy, by the way, 135 today. And then Rob Brooks tomorrow, the voice of Iowa women's basketball at 135. I wonder what we're going to talk about with him. Megan Gustafson. Oh, yeah. I was trying to think of an old, a, a previous Iowa player. <laughs> yeah, I think she is the single game, or else she had her single game record broken. Yes. Scoring record? I, I, think, yeah. I think that was why her name was in my head. I think I saw that in that context of Caitlin Clark. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, that's great. Good job. <laughs> she goes back a ways. <laughs> she goes back a ways. So tonight's rec hall. I was asked in class today about how excited I was. And I said, I've done like 250 games, basketball and rec hall, plus between Women's gymnastics, men's gymnastics, women's volleyball, men's volleyball, wrestling, and women's basketball. I said, I've probably done another 150 events in there. I said, I've done like 400. So I, I said, so, no. <laughs> See, that, that you do get to a point where, at least for me, I love the job. Love broadcasting games. In fact, I enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed it all those years. I enjoy it more today than ever. And it's the enjoyment of doing it, and then you get to the game and the tension of it and so forth. Love it. But in terms of like the excitement, like you must be excited to go. No. <laughs> it's like, okay, I don't care where the, I don't care where the game's in the parking lot. <laughs> Let's go. Let's play. See, because I always start, see, what I end up doing is, like, okay, it's the game. Okay, well, it's going to go to Rec Hall. Okay, it's great. And it should be a lot of fun. But I'm like, okay, now Hawkins does this, and Goody does that, and Shannon does that, and he's strong with his left hand, not with his right hand. Great athlete, the whole deal. Garrier, rebounder. You know, I start going through players and matchups. I don't really start thinking about where the game's going to be played and how excited I should be for it. I'm thinking there's a different feeling, though, between Rec Hall and then, say, maybe going to the Palestra like you were earlier in the season, though. Um. Well, just, um, yeah, because it's here. Wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's here. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that part helps. I mean, I was in there yesterday because they, they practiced yesterday. Um, and they're doing shoot-around right now, so I can't. that's why I can't couldn't be there today. But... Um, I, um, uh, was in there yesterday. Now, let me tell you a couple, couple of things that struck me yesterday. 
uh, about it. The way they have it set up. Now, I've always talked about the end zones aren't great at rec hall. Well, to be honest with you, the way they have it structured, everything's going to be right on top of the court. Now, the extension that comes out on, on what will be to my left, which is the Atherton Street side of it, um, they've got to, you know, they can't go any further with that set of stands, but then they have what we refer to as the Gucci row seats <laughs> put up on the floor. That's great. But it's the lighting in there is just outstanding. And that's a place that over the years has struggled with lighting. Not anymore. Um, uh, it, the light, I mean, it really struck me was how great the lighting was in there yesterday. I was talking to Jeff Cook, the men's soccer coach. He came over for a little bit. Then I went back to the men's volleyball practice, and my old friend Mark Pavlik and I were talking about it and how great it is. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, the lighting really struck me. I mean, it's going to be... Everybody's going to be on top of it. You know, the students are going to be on top of the court. It is, uh, it, and you've got a terrific team there. I mean, right now, Jerry Palm has Illinois as a four seed going into the game. And, you know, and Mike DeCourcy, of course, we're going to have him on talk about this and more. Um, The um, everybody's on top of the court. It's a real basketball gym. I mean, it's a great wrestling facility. I mean, it's not a good wrestling facility. It's a great wrestling facility. That's why I can understand why Kale doesn't want to leave there. It's a great women's volleyball venue. I mean, because I mean, I you know, I'll go to a wrestling match. And, you know, you're right on top of everything. It's fabulous. You go to a women's volleyball match, you're right on top. It's great, you know. And then you know, and every other sport that's in there, it's. But I've done maybe 400 events in there. You know, I remember doing the men's volleyball final four in there a couple different couple times, doing the men's volleyball final four in there, doing women's volleyball in there, women's gymnastics and men's gymnastics and wrestling in there. Uh, women's basketball in there to go with the men's games I've done. I've just done so many games in there, and they say, "How excited are you?" Like, "Well, I, you know, I've been there a billion times. <laughs> How excited do you want me to be?" <laughs> I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for the matchup, but I'm also interested to see what the atmosphere is like and what it can mean tonight. Because I've done a lot of games in there where Penn State's quote pulled upsets, uh, and the venue uh, certainly played a role in it. So we'll see how it plays out tonight. I mean, Illinois is really good. Yeah, I, I think I did. I talk about. I think I talked about Coleman Hawkins yesterday, right? Because look, Shannon's their leading scorer, twenty-one plus a game. We all know his off-the-court problems. I mean, he's only playing because of court injunction. That's the only reason he's playing right now because of a court injunction. And he got the court injunction against Illinois to play because Illinois suspended him. And. You know, Gary A's a rebounder, seen him before at Syracuse. Danger, who is who Danger's a good inside player, he's not playing as much. Because they've changed their team around. And you know, and Luke Goody is a three point shooter. I think only twenty six of his shots have been twos this year. Everything else has been a three. But then there's Coleman Hawkins. Last year he went to the 
G League Combine. And whenever I see somebody like that go to the G League Combine, my first thought is, I think they're going to come back next year. Uh, But you go to the G League Combine, like, well, why do you waste your time doing that? Because guess what? They tell you where you're going well, and they tell you what you need to improve on. That's why you go to it. And he came back to Illinois, and look, he is, he plays well with his back to the basket. He has an excellent face-up game and a good outside shot. He is the best passing big man in the Big Ten, bar none. Defensively, he's improved. But this is a big team, Todd. They are big. I mean, this is... They are 6'6 or taller at all five starting positions. That explains why they go to the glass so hard. <laughs> right? No, and they get a lot of rebounds. That's part of the game. That's part of what they do. Um, uh, and that's, I mean, I, I give them uh, a lot of credit Um for the how they played this year, they play. They've been a smarter team this year, and I think Damask has something to do with that. But they're a smarter team this year than last year. I didn't. I did not really feel they were a smart, cohesive team last year, despite being very, very talented. So, all right, we'll come back. Take a break. More in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. All right, Mike DeCourcy is coming up. And Dick Girardi is driving up to the game today with Dave Jones. This will be, from what we can figure out, is going to be the last time Dave will travel up to see a Penn State basketball game in his writing career. Um, wow. Is Dave at times a a polarizing figure? Yeah. But I've known Dave for a long, long time. Okay? Dave and I get along great. All right? I consider Dave a friend. All right? Hopefully he considers me one as well. Now, do I agree with everything Dave writes? Nope. Does Dave agree with everything I say? Nope. So what? We both love sports, both love basketball, and there are times we have different opinions. That's fine. When you are doing columns, and I've always tried to give this perspective on columns, but it's worth repeating. And I'm going to talk to Dave about coming on the show to reflect on his career. Because I think you'll find it interesting. When you write a column, to me, one of the most, the more important elements of a good column is it doesn't get you to think. And when you're done thinking about it, you may disagree with everything in the column and be mad about it. Or you might agree with almost everything in there. And you see the perspective. Or you might not agree with it, but you see where he's coming from. 
Either way, in all three scenarios, what did you do? You were thinking. It provokes thought. And you don't deliberately write something with the idea that um, I'm going to be contrarian here because I want to get the populace riled up. No, you just write your opinion as to what you think. First, let's start with this. As a pure writer, as a pure writer, the ability to turn a phrase, right, prose, whatever, he's a great writer. Not a good writer. He's legitimately a great writer. And a lot of people don't agree with what he writes or what his opinion happens to be. That's fine. That's all okay. Because his job is to provoke thought. Okay? It's, it's to provoke thought when you write a column. And you don't have to agree with everybody's thoughts. Right? Just go to one of our staff meetings. All right. What? No? Bad, bad example. <laughs> Oh, I think. Oh, geez. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right? But that's that's what the job of a good columnist is to provoke thought, get you to think, get you to consider what's going on, using their background, their experience to craft thought, idea, whatever it may be. You don't have to accept it. That's fine. That's your prerogative as the reader. Or, in the case of a talk show, as a listener. That's your prerogative. But I just wanted to point that out that he was coming up here. He has covered he has passionately covered basketball for decades. He has passionately covered Penn State basketball for decades. You may not have liked everything he wrote about it or thought about it, but again, that's your prerogative as the reader, and that's his prerogative as the columnist. Um, I just want to point that out because I know that it's going to be the last time up here. So. I was going to say, as somebody of a, a, a of my age, the two people I originally think of of, of Penn State coverage, especially especially around here, are Dave and Ronnie Christ at the Harrisburg paper. Yes, and Dave thought the world of Ronnie Christ. Thought the world. You should have seen. At Michigan State, when it was going to be Ronnie's last regular season game, uh, there was a tribute done to him up in, I think it was Bud Tallman at the time. Bud Tallman's was it? Was it Bud Tallman? May have been. You should have seen how emotional Dave got in talking about Ronnie Christ. It, it really, it was so touching. But at some point... Uh, between now and the time and the time he actually retires, I'm going to talk to him tonight about what day to get him on the show, just to talk. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory with great warranties. Fabulous pre-owned inventory, which they go over every vehicle and give the Sunbury Motors guarantee to. And a terrific service department. Whether it's routine or difficult, they handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. 
Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. He is, without question, in my opinion, one of the best in the business and has been in that category for decades. Uh, my old friend Mike DeCourcy. Mike, it is always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time today. Hi, Steve. How are you? Doing really great. Doing great. Uh, going back to uh, how many times have you ever been to Rec Hall? Were you ever, I mean, back yes. in the days you were covering um, Penn State? I, 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 I know for a fact uh, that I was there to cover Pitt versus Penn State in the 1992 NIT. Yep, Pitt won that game. I, I believe I covered a West Virginia game up there. Yeah. Uh, for at least once. And I think I might have been there for wrestling, but I'm not sure about that right. one. That was a little fuzzy. Right. All right. So UConn goes out and just, I mean, takes apart Marquette on Saturday. Everybody is proclaiming, oh, my goodness, they can't be stopped. Then the next game they go to Omaha, and Creighton takes them apart and shot the lights out against them. Does does that in any way indicate to us how difficult it is to win six consecutive games in March? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, it, it, it but it also indicates how um, overwhelming, especially in this season, the home court advantage can be. Yeah. It, it seems to, to really make a difference in teams this year more than ever. I was when the NCAA men's basketball selection committee announced their their uh, their bracket their their mock bracket I guess you'd call it bracket projection whatever you want to call it uh, on Saturday mm-hmm. with the top four seats in each region I had fourteen of the sixteen and I was off by one spot on the fifteenth I I I basically Wisconsin as the first five instead of the last four. And But I was off by two lines on San Diego State because what San Diego State has done is beat all the good teams in the Mountain West that are all pretty good at mm-hmm. home. And they mm-hmm. go on the road and they lose. And it happened again last night. There has been, against the better teams in that league, there has been almost no, uh, there's been almost no interruption to that pattern with, with San Diego State. And yet they still put them as a pretty solid four seed, which really surprised me. Because that's who they are. And I know there are a lot of teams on that list. I'll be honest. I know there are a lot of teams on that list that fit that description. Uh, Iowa State's kind of a little bit like that. Baylor's kind of a little bit like that. Uh, but, uh, but they're, they're like that in a better league. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, you know, the, the Mountain West is a very fine league, but it's not the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the Big East or the SEC. It's interesting because I think I saw something that in the last Four years, ranked teams on the road won sixty-eight percent of the time. I think that was it. But this year, the winning percentage for ranked teams is forty-four percent on the road, which I found to be fascinating. But also matches up with what I've watched. Does that match up with right. what you've watched? Absolutely. Uh, that's that's everything that we've seen this year. And and what that says is, first of all, the. The lesser teams are not as lesser as they used to be, for lack of a better piece of grammar. And the better teams <laughs> are are not the powers that they used to be. Uh, we, and I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One is a bit of homogenization because of the transfer portal has stretched the talent out to more places. And also, I, I think this is not a, a very impressive freshman class generally. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it lacks greatness. And 
secondarily, it's harder now for a freshman to make an impact. It will be at least until next through next season because of the COVID year where you literally have 18-year-olds playing against 25-year-olds. So it's always been hard to make the transition from playing high school ball to playing college. But that leap is much greater now and, and has been for the last three, four years than it's ever been and, ever, and probably ever will, hopefully ever will be again. Not everybody can make the transition up. I mean, we've seen that. I mean, like I see that all the time. Like guys make the transition up, and you think they can, but then they can't. But then there's Dalton Connect. I think I want to say Northern Colorado goes to Tennessee, and he has been terrific. There were the point where he's going to be an NBA pick. It looks like when you watch him play, what has allowed him to make that transition from a big sky? situation to an SEC situation. Yeah, it's really wild uh, because like if this if he had been the best player in the big sky, I don't yeah. think any of us would be super surprised that he's an all league level player or all maybe even an all American mm-hmm. level player. Just get granted a better stage and better teammates and that can uh, empower him to play better against better competition. That wouldn't have been surprising. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a fine year last year, but he was second team all league. He averaged 20-some points, but it didn't really move the needle on their team. And that's what the surprising part is. Northern Colorado was not very good last year, even with him. And we're saying the same thing in the Big Ten with Lance Jones uh, at Purdue uh, and Marcus Damask at Illinois. You'll see tonight Marcus Damask is terrific. He he and Lance Jones were teammates at Southern Illinois last year, and they weren't very good. I know. That's crazy. It's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) Uh, uh, you talked about freshman classes. All right, so I want to go to a freshman class from a couple of years ago, and that would be Ohio State. When Malachi Brandon came in, I think I think a lot of us thought he'd be really good, but I didn't really think of him initially as a one-and-done guy, which he ended up being. In the end, how much does that affect a coach like Chris Holtman, who's thinking maybe he's going to get a couple of years out of him and only gets one? Yeah, I wrote about this last week, um, and he had two such players. He had one the next year as well. Yeah. I, the The reality is that it ends almost everyone's career, or not everyone's career, everyone's tenure. Some of them go on and coach elsewhere. But it, it ends almost – Rick Barnes is a great example. We just talked about Dalton Connect. Yep. And he, was a, he was at Texas for uh, uh, basically, I think, 15 years before mm-hmm. he had Corey Joseph uh, go pro on him. Uh, then he had a couple more, and by 2015 he didn't have the, ten, the Texas job anymore. And he didn't get any worse as a coach, but it just totally disrupt. When you when you signed Kevin Durant, he knew like the minute that Kevin finished the the uh, the script on the T on the letter of intent mm-hmm. that 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 Kevin was going to be there for one season, and so he and he could recruit knowing that, and he could sell the next small forward that he wanted on. Don't worry about Kevin; he's not going to be in your way. And watch what he does because we're going to do that with you or some approximation thereof. Mm-hmm. And so he could do that. But when you sign Corey Joseph and he comes out and he averages, I don't know, maybe a dozen points a game on a team that uh, that lost, I think, its second-round NCAA tournament game, uh, that, just, that just wrecks you. And we've seen it happen with uh, with like legitimately terrific coaches who had made Final Fours, like Ben Howland at UCLA, happened with Zach Levine 
They did not recover from that. Uh, you look at uh, uh, Tom Crean. It happened at, at Indiana with Noah Vonley. Uh, yep. Did not recover from that. And there are other elements to all of these issues. But that one thing in common, never, it, it, it's like almost insurmountable. And the only ones who have, have surmounted it are guys who either had already had national championships or were in the Hall of Fame, usually both. Uh, Jim Beheim managed it uh, to an extent, although I think the program was diminished. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Mike Krzyzewski could get over that, and he did. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, John Calipari, uh, they, they, they had it happen to them in 2013. And 2014 and 15, they made the Final Four. So uh, they, 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 there are places where there are people that can survive it, but generally, uh, it's impossible. And it, you know, my my friend Mike Hopkins out at Washington, um, yeah. really good guy. And I think it started out great, but then he signed two guys uh, that that fit this description, and and the program has not recovered. And I, right. you know, I hope the best for him. But uh, it's just it's the program has never recovered from su- signing uh, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, it just it, 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 the guys who played for him more, you know, they had okay years, but yeah. it's just it's too much. It, it, you, if you can't replace them quickly enough, uh, you never recover. John Calipari's in that interesting spot at Kentucky. He's got a lot of young talent on that team, but they have not. They have been a mixed bag of winning, and they even lost, I think, what, three straight games at Rupp Arena, which, as you and I know, is totally unacceptable down there. Uh, right. So where it, where is that program right now, in your opinion? Because it's still really terrific, but... <laughs> oh, the uh, the the yes, my apologies. No, I mean, Poor, poorly phrased. No, no, no. It's fine. I was wait. I just didn't want to yeah. step on you there. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 there are people who are dissatisfied, Steve, and I don't have any patience for that at all. I really don't. Uh, it's the same as you know my lack of patience for Steelers fans who who want to move on from Mike Tomlin. Oh uh, yeah. It, it look. It, it's, it's just not how – I just don't believe that's how sports works. Like, if you have a great coach, and, and some of the results don't meet up to his standards or the program standards, does that mean he's still not a great coach? Do I think that John Calipari got dumb in the last three years no. or four years? No. No, I don't. Uh, do I think that they're still bringing in really good players? They are. Um, I just it, – it's, it's, a, it's a difficult space to navigate – uh, if you get the right guys now, you still can have great success, but it's not as easy to figure out where to get them, and it may not be as sustainable as it once was. I think we're going to see more ebbs and flows in college sports, especially college basketball, uh, because it's it's so easy with 300-some schools. It's so easy to go from being the seventh guy on a on a good team or a great team and go be the first guy on a mid-major team where you get to play all the time and score a lot of points. Maybe make the tournament. Uh, I, it's, it's so it's harder to, to sustain greatness than it used to be. Yeah. Purdue is a team. We know what their NCAA tournament has looked like under Matt Painter. You look at this team here, and I know it's going to depend on bracket matchups. I understand all of that. How much pressure is on them to actually get 
to the Final Four because of not just this team, but history? Oh, there's a lot. Uh, I, I wonder, like, because of what the recent history is, I wonder if the greatest pressure isn't just to get to the Sweet 16. Because not, not very many of the guys who are on the 2022 team were on, are on this team. I think there are a few, Mason Gillis, one or two others. Right. Um, but they, they just they, they don't have uh, great experience at any level of the tournament. And, and I don't think Zach Heady came back to have guys hang on him for 30 games <laughs> to, to lose short of the Final Four. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, Saturday, Sunday's experience showed us again that, that if they want to get to where they want to go, they've got to have some guys make some, some jump shots. No doubt. It, it, it didn't happen on Sunday. There have been other circumstances when it didn't happen. Uh, the worst part of it is, I think, the worst part of it is that you have guys that won't take them. And that's right. where the real problem starts to crop up for, for Purdue, is guys kind of running away from shots or declining open shots. Uh, they, they just can't have that. They, that. That team needs space. If they have space, Edie becomes almost unguardable. But if they have no space because guys either uh, don't shoot uh, open shots or uh, can't seem to connect on open shots when they're even though their numbers say they should make most of them or or nearly half, I guess it should, I should say, um, that's when they will run into a problem. And I, I saw that on Sunday. Uh, Ethan Morton wide open shot mm-hmm. um, and that w- with with Edie being triple teamed wide open top of the key. Right? It's just the kind of shot just about every college guard should be able to make. And he passed it up. And if you're out there for defense and you're passing up that shot, man, you better be like Michael Cooper cir- circa 1986. Yeah. Because, like, nobody's that good defensively right. that, they can, that they can deaden the offense by passing up a shot like that. See, and this, you brought up Lance Jones. See, to me, in watching them not just on TV but watching them in person, I feel like his athleticism is that different little element that they haven't had with the team, and that's why I'm anxious to see what he does to open up the floor for Edie and others. Yeah, he's been great, especially post-Christmas uh, as we restarted the Big Ten season. His numbers are phenomenal. Uh, he's had, like, one bad game. Uh, he's, he's shooting close to 40% on threes. You look at his season number, and it's not overwhelming, but as the competition has gotten better and has but more so as he's gotten more comfortable he's shooting high 30s uh, 38 39 and and that they can win with that but they can't just have him doing that they need others to do that as well and and that, that you know Braden Smith has been a tremendous point guard yes. um, but he can't you can't ask him to make shots every game because teams are going to guard him harder uh, the guys who are wings and 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 stretch four like Mason is, those guys got to make shots when when teams are jamming the lane, and they did not do that on Sunday. Right. And see with Smith, if Smith goes right, his passing is tremendous. But if he goes left, see that's where you got to turn him. Then it's it's right. good but not great. Uh, I, one last question. That's going to be about Houston. Uh, Kelvin and his staff have. They they there's a change in conference. It's a whole new set of opponents on a night in and night out basis. Shed the point guard is is really one of those 
coaches on the floor kind of point guards, in my opinion. I don't know if you have he a is. different opinion. Oh, and, I love them. And what kind of job have they done considering the change to the Big 12? Yeah, I think it, it, it's been great. They, they, they defend so well. Uh, they are so, and it's not just a change to the Big Twelve, but also the player personnel losses that they had after after last year. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, they lost uh, Jarris Walker to the NBA draft. A guy, you know, one of those guys that they they knew was going to be a one year guy. So mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt you when you know that. But they still had to replace him, and they don't have super dynamic wing scoring or uh, or post scoring. And I think that's where their their issue will develop at some point. In the tournament, and I, for me, when you're a team like them, your your whole deal is to try to delay the discovery of your flaw until no as late as possible. Yep. Uh, and that may be in the final four, it may be in the championship game, and maybe uh, by some miracle, nobody ever figures it out. Uh, that's <laughs> the, but but they're 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 right now they are their number one and number two options basically are small guards. Shed is around six one. L.J. Cryer is around six one. That's not a recipe for winning at all. But no one's, you know, no one can say you can't get to the Final Four playing like that. Yeah, because that's what I was talking to somebody about yesterday, and they asked about Illinois, and I said, "Look, they've got a, something that's interesting. This is a conference where you need big scoring wings. I mean, this conference you really have to have that. Like Seth Lundy was like that last year." That Illinois right. got that. You know, you need in this conference big, you know, scoring wings like six five to six eight scoring wings. I mean, that's that's how I've I've viewed the Big Ten. Yeah, they fit the description of Houston in a totally different way. You're right. They, their flaw is they don't have a true point guard, and you're that's not right. winning the NCAA championship without that. So, but totally you agree. can get to you can get to Arizona. And you can have a lot of fun yep. along the way, and you can hang a banner at the end. Uh, so you're you're not going to win the national championship like that, and I can say that now. They can tell me I'm wrong, and then they can go out and do it. <laughs> but but history says I'm right uh, because no one has done that. I mean, usually you do it with somebody who's extraordinary at that position, either NBA talent wise or like Joel Berry, for instance, a you know a college four year guy who is indispensable. But it's usually one or the other. Um, I, I have this. I did this article a few years ago uh, on the Jimmy Black exception. Uh, yes. On the like the very few teams in recent history. So Jimmy Black goes all the way back to 1982. Yeah. So we're talking 40 years now. There yeah. were only a handful of teams over those 40 years that didn't have a legit star in one way or another at the point guard position. But there were a few, and that's what I call the Jimmy Black exception. But even Jimmy was a point guard. Uh, so it's so you, I don't think that Illinois can claim the Jimmy Black exception. They have somebody <laughs> that nominally plays the position, but they don't have somebody that's a true point guard. Mike, you have no idea how much I enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it very much, and look forward to talking again soon. All right, you bet, Steve. Thank you. Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, Big Ten Network. Yeah, that's a lot of great points to uh, unpack there in talking college basketball with him at the highest level. And that, that is that is a big issue with Illinois, the ability that they don't have that true point guard. That's what Penn State – talk about what Mike talked about. Okay, What did we talk about yesterday that one of the things you have to do as a coach, not only accentuate what you do well, but you have to mask 
what you don't do well. I've talked about that how many times on this show. But one of the keys to coaching is you have to mask either a mediocre matchup or something you don't do well. And that you know, he's talking about Houston. They're masking certain things they don't do well. Okay. You know, uh, there aren't many things they don't do well, but there are certainly a couple that, you know, and they have to mask it. Well, for Illinois, that's what they have to do with their point guard situation because they don't have one. Boy, I wish we had a point guard in the staff meetings. No? Bad comparison. I was going to say, maybe maybe you could fill that role. No, no. Steve is very busy. Uh, <laughs> Steve, vote, Steve votes no. St- Steve's right. more of a two-guard. <laughs> Steve is uh, more at the moment when it comes to this uh, operation, Lone Wolf. All right. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. A former NFL scout evaluated Caleb Williams. And mercy me. By the time it's done, he's lucky he gets picked higher than Brock Purdy. This was really an amazing evaluation, which I'm going to give to you in the next half hour, where you sit back and go, okay, really? Now, not everybody in the league feels this way, but it was a really interesting piece. And you know what? I was listening to Dave Pash being interviewed on Sirius XM, I think it was, may have been today, and they were asking him about Caleb Williams and Drake May, and he said what's interesting is that they, they did four North Carolina games this year, and they sat down and talked with Drake May every time. They said USC would not let them talk to Caleb Williams at all. Like, wow. And I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> 